Well, hey, Happy New Year. So good to see y'all. And of course, with the new year for everyone, you start thinking about how to start out right, how to begin this year uh, with the best possible you. And of course, we do that at church as well. This will be all about starting our year out right. If you recall, last year on January 2nd, I challenged you to make one single New Year's resolution. Uh, Do you all remember what that was? To read the Bible. There's a Christian over here somewhere. There you go. All right. I, I challenge you to commit to read through the entire Bible. In fact, I ask you to put the Word before the world. Like to make reading the Word of God your priority. In fact, I said that if you only read one book this year, make it the Bible. <laughs> like Make it God's Word. And if you do even just that one thing, if that's the only New Year's resolution that you keep, you will have taken a great step forward. In fact, in that sermon, you might remember that I said that if you're a Christian and you've been a Christian for three or four or five years and you haven't read the entire Bible, then repent and read the Bible. Like God wrote a book. He literally wrote a book to tell us everything we need to know about Him this side of heaven. And so I encourage you to read the Bible. And so my question, rhetorical, you don't have to answer, is how'd you do? Like, did you finish the Bible? Like in last year's sermon on this date, on the 2nd of January, I spoke about how to read the Bible, like how to have a quiet time. And this morning, what I'm going to talk about is why to read the Bible. I want to share from uh, the 19th Psalm some of the benefits of immersing yourself in the Word of God. And I just want you to know that uh, I'm never going to stop hammering on this point. Like, I'm never going to stop stressing the importance of it, whether it's me up here or Pastor Michael or Pastor Trey or Pastor James. We're going to hammer on the fact that you, as a believer, need to be in the Word of God for yourself. Because everything you really need to know this side of heaven about God about how to live for Him and before Him, is revealed in the Bible. Like That's where you'll find it. That's where you'll find your marching orders. That's where you'll be introduced to the person of Christ. That's where you'll know about the nature and the goodness and the character of God. You'll find that in the Bible. So as long as I still have a voice, I'm going to be, I'm going to be telling you to immerse yourselves in the Bible. Like, read it, love it, feast on it, find your identity in the pages of Scripture, renew your mind through it, and take every thought captive by it. Run to the Scriptures. Let it be for you a strong tower of security. In fact, I I can just tell you, I'm confident enough in the Scriptures to repeat myself on this point. Because there's nothing better for you to read. There's no new revelation coming that will surpass it, that will give you greater insight or a clearer picture. Like we have like 
in your laps, on your phones, in that device you're carrying, we have the perfect Word of God and everything we need to know. This side of heaven, God's communicated that in His Word. And so with that said, let's stand and read Psalm 19. To the choir master, a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them He has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the ends of the heaven, and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. This is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let me ask you a question. In light of what David says there, what do you see when you see the stars? Like when you go out at night on your back deck or in your backyard and you look out at a starry sky, like what do you see? See, I think we've become a generation of watchers instead of seers. Like certainly more than we have been become beholders. Like that's a very biblical word, right? Scripture tells us to behold our God. Like we don't do much beholding in our culture today. We watch. Like we watch TV and I'll watch a show that I'm really not that into while I'm on my laptop and doing something on my phone at the same time. We're so distracted. We're pulled in so many different directions and we miss what we should be seeing. Like many see the glory of creation, but they don't see the glory of God in creation. They see the glory of creation and yet they still charge God with silence. If God would just speak, then I would believe. Like if He would just do something. If God would only make Himself known. And yet, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims His handiwork. The heavens don't just proclaim generic glory. Like you don't look up the heavens and just let that be an end in itself. It's amazing. It's glorious. It's incredible. And walk away. In the heavens, we see the glory and majesty and power of God. Like the sky proclaims His handiwork. Like Rome, uh, I'm sorry, Psalm 19 tells us that God has in creation made Himself known to all people in all places in all times. In fact, Romans 1 says that God has so written His character in the stuff of creation that all of us are without excuse. We can't say we didn't know. We can't say that we didn't know that there somehow was a Creator, someone who made all of this. Creation shouts of the majesty and glory and power of God. His invisible attributes are seen in the created order. 
In fact, day to day, it says, pours out speech. And night to night reveals knowledge. Like every day, it gushes out speech like a fire hydrant. Like creation doesn't whisper, guys. It shouts. And it shouts continuously. Like God has surrounded you with a hymn book. And you are invited to join in with the chorus of creation. Like God has made this incredible universe that speaks of His power. That is proclaiming it. That's pouring forth speech. That sings about His majesty. And we can look up and see the majesty of God and join in the song. There is no speech. Nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. Like there's preaching going on in creation. And it's going on all day and all night. Every day and every night. Everywhere for all of time. Like look at the sky and you hear the world's longest sermon. And it's going on and on and on and on. More than any of my run-on sermons. Like it started when God spoke it all into existence. And it's not going to end. It's going to always be proclaiming His majesty. Just look at the sky. It's inescapable. It cannot be missed and it cannot be silenced. The best we can do according to Romans chapter 1 is we can suppress the truth in our unrighteousness. We can try to hold it back or push it down. I don't want to hear the voice of God and so I push it out of my mind. But God cannot be silenced. Do you hear it? See, creation in all its complexity tells me that there is a Creator. The stars are but a sign and signs are vehicles of ideas. They, they tell of something. They point to something. If you're going on a vacation to Disney World and you see a sign that says Disney World 200 miles, you don't stop at the sign, take a picture and go home. Unless you're the worst parent ever. Right? Like that sign is pointing you somewhere. And you follow it to its destination. Follow the signs. God is flashing a message in the heavens. And according to Charles Spurgeon, he writes, in the expanse above us, God flies His starry flag to show us that the King is home. Like I love that. Creation tells us that there is a Creator. And so what can you learn from taking some time like putting your phone away, getting rid of the tablet, turning off the TV, going outside and just observing the heavens, whether day or night. Like what can you learn from beholding what God has made? Well, we, we learn obviously that God is infinite in His power. I mean, Scripture gives us clarity on this, but the Bible tells us that God like spoke all of this into creation. Like God just by the voice of His power spoke and the universe, galaxies, stars were formed. And God did not extend, uh, expend a bit of His energy in doing so. God didn't rest on the seventh day because He was tired. He rested because He was done. 
Like God did that. Like the vastness of creation speaks of God's immensity. The regularity of creation tells us that God Himself is unchangeable. The variety of creation speaks of His depth. And the beauty of creation tells us of His goodness. And then in Psalm 19, that's just the first half of the psalm, in verse 7, David makes the most abrupt transition of transitions. Like if you're reading this psalm, you get to verse 7 and you get a bit of whiplash because he goes from speaking about the sun's scorching heat to praising the law of God. And you think, where did that come from? Now something really important to note in this psalm that in uh, the first half of the psalm, God's name is only mentioned once. In fact, David uses the general name for God in Hebrew, El, in verse 1. But in the second half of the psalm, he uses God's covenant name. The name he called his people to use. The name Yahweh. And he uses it seven times in the second half of this psalm. What might that tell us? I think it tells us that by the shifting from El to the covenant name Yahweh, David is saying that the heavens can teach us that there's a Creator. But Scripture alone introduces us to God as a Redeemer. Like you could spend the rest of your life uninformed about what the Scriptures say about God, just taking in the heavens, and you could leave that time with some decent theology about the immensity and power and creativity and goodness of God, but you would never know who He was. See, creation tells me there's a Creator, but the Bible? Oh, the Bible tells me His name. Like God has a name. And I'll only find that name revealed in the pages of Scripture. Tell, creation tells me there's a Creator. And the best it can do is make me accountable to Him. It can't tell me how to be rescued by Him. I mean, creation alone is not enough. Creation alone is insufficient. Like we need, Guys, we need something more. We need something better, fuller, something perfect. And in the second half of this psalm, David describes the perfections of God's Word and the benefits for God's people when he writes in verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. Like the word law there is the Hebrew word Torah. God's Word, he says, is perfect. It's complete. It's blameless. It's without blemish. There's nothing missing, missing from it. It's completely sufficient for everything we need. Like God's Word cannot be improved upon. So what do you miss, Christian? If you're a follower of Christ, what do you miss if you don't read your Bible this year? Well, in a word, you miss life. Like God's Word is perfect and it gives us just what we need. Like the Bible brings life. It revives the soul. I mean, the first thing it does is it brings conversion to the human heart. 
Like there was a time when I did not know God. There was a time before I was saved where I was very lost. And I had no thought of God. In fact, I was seeking for something, but I was seeking it everywhere except in the pages of Scripture. And then I read the law of God. And in reading the law of God, literally the law, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery. When I read the law of God, I saw something about myself that I had never seen. I saw that I had a murderous heart and an adulterous heart, and that I was lost, and I needed a Savior. Like when I opened up the pages of Scripture, God did a work in my heart in bringing me life from my death. Not because I was seeking Him, I was seeking everything but Him, but because He was seeking me. Now the phrase reviving the soul is used often in the Scripture of food, that restores our strength and our vitality. Like it refreshes, it renews, and it returns us to what we're supposed to be. Giving us new vitality and strength. And on a personal level, can I just tell you, that's what the Bible does for me. When the world wears me down and wears me out, and I open up the Scripture, or I listen to it on an app on my phone, like it restores my soul. It brings me back to where I need to be. Uh, David goes on to say, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Now, a testimony you know, I mean, from court, a testimony is a statement of truth. And here, it's a statement attested to by God Himself. Like the testimony of Yahweh is sure. It's trustworthy. It's never fallible. It's never unstable. It's never undependable. Like you can always trust the Bible to lead you into the truth. Do you know, do you know anything or anyone else you can say that of? You can't trust your wife or your husband to always lead you in the truth. You can't trust your parents like or your friends or our culture to lead you according to the truth all of the time. Like if we lift our feet and let the current of culture carry us where we where it's going to take us, we will find ourselves down a pathway of destruction that we don't want to be on. But God's Word is trustworthy. So what do you miss if you, Christian, don't read your Bible this year? Well, in a word, you miss direction. You see, God's Word is trustworthy and it teaches us how to live. The Bible makes wise... The simple, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And you may not want to think of yourself as simple because you may think of simple as stupid, simple as a fool. But in Scripture, somebody who is simple is somebody who is simply inexperienced. They're untaught. They don't know what they don't know. And so they need somebody to give them direction. And the Bible helps us to see life as God sees life, and then act accordingly. When my wife was teaching in the public school for years, she had one year this six-year-old kid who gave her the ultimate slam that you can receive from a six-year-old, right? Like this little six-year-old boy looked up at his teacher one day and said, 
have fun being dumb, dummy. Like she told me about that. I just wanted to go slap this kid, right? Have fun being dumb, dummy. But guys, when it comes to the Scripture, like God has revealed for us how life works. And if you won't listen to what God says, have fun being dumb, dummy. I mean, really, that's all you're left with. Like you can't say, if only I knew, how, how come nobody ever told me how badly this would be? Or how good this could possibly be? Well, God's shouting it in the pages of Scripture, but you won't open it, so have fun being dumb, dummy. Like that's all you're left with. Like the Bible makes wise the simple. In the Scripture, God invites each of us to line up our lives with the way it was designed to work. And His testimony provides a firm foundation where you won't be led astray. Can I just tell you, guys, honestly, I've learned everything from the Bible. Because I grew up in a house where God was not honored and where the Word was not taught and where marriage looked jacked up and parenting was a nightmare. And I learned all of the right things to do from the Bible. I learned all the wrong things to do from my culture and my own family. But when it comes to life and love and marriage and parenting and finances and friendships and everything, I got the good stuff from the Word of God. Like it's right there. In fact, the word testimony often points to in the Old Testament the tabernacle of the testimony. The meeting place of God. And that's what the Bible is. God invites His children to meet with Him through His written Word. Verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. Now precepts means rules, regulations, guidelines for living. And when it says it's right, it means that it's never wrong. Like what do you miss? Like what do you miss if you don't read your Bible, Christian? Well, note the progression here. He says that the Word of God revives our soul. It imparts wisdom. It gives joy to the heart. Like God makes us alive through His Word. He makes us wise through His Word. And He makes us glad through His Word. So what robs you of joy? You know what robs me of joy? Living life in my own strength. When I have a God who will renew my soul. Who I can rest in and run and not grow weary, where I can mount up on wings like an eagle. But I wear myself out by living life in my own strength or by following my own path. Guys, if you listen to the voice of culture, it will take you where you don't want to go. But if you listen to your own heart, it will be even worse. My heart is mean. Like My heart is always giving me bad directions. Like, don't listen to your heart. Listen to the Word of God and guard your heart. The precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. What do you miss, Christian, if you don't read your Bible? Happiness. Joy. Like, God's Word is right and it brings joy. And so, if you don't want lasting happiness, that's cool. Don't read the Bible. Stay away from the Bible. Like, don't listen to it. Certainly don't live by it. And then you can enjoy your joylessness because that's all you will get. 
Like the Bible brings joy. And then he goes on to say that the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. I love how the NIV puts it. It says the commands of the Lord are radiant. Radiant. I love that. Like the Bible is radiant. It's it's pure. Like it's absent of sin. It's absent of wickedness and corruption. Like there's nothing murky about it. It's not vague. It's not contaminated. Where else in the world can you go for something like that apart from Christ Himself? Truth with no mixture of error? So what do you miss when you don't read your Bible? Clarity. Clarity. God's Word is radiant and it gives light. Like without God's Word, we're all stumbling around in the dark. I know that I was. But with the light of the Word of God, I was able to see me for who I really am. See my need. See the path that I was on that was broad and wide and heading to hell. And knowing that there was a narrow path that He wanted me to join, I saw that because of the light of the Word of God. Like I see myself and I see everything else as it truly is because Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean. I like that. Just the simplicity of that. The fear of the Lord is clean. There's nothing dirty about it. (laughs) Enduring forever. Like here David focuses in verse 9 on what the Word of God does in us as we immerse ourselves in it. Can I just promise you guys? I promise you, if you will take the time this year to read through the entire Bible, if you do like some of the younger folks in the church are doing in January, and you do the January shred 30 days to read the entire Bible, I guarantee you on the other side, you will have been changed. Because that's what the Word of God does to you. Like it changes us from the inside out. Like the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Like it creates a new person. It transforms us. So what do you miss when you don't read the Bible? Sanctification. Like God's Word changes me from the inside out. The fear of the Lord is a right and holy reverence. A respect for God. It's honoring God as God. It's ranking myself, realizing that, you know what? God is God and I am not. Like I'm not second God. I'm not part of the Trinity. I'm not an angel. I'm not this powerful being. I'm just me. Only God is true without any mixture of error. And it's ranking myself. It's understanding that. And that kind of fear, it says, it clean is clean. Carrying the idea of being ritually, ritualistically pure. Like the fear of the Lord purifies His people. Has that happened to you this year as you started reading the Bible? Maybe for the very first time you started reading things and suddenly you were like, oh, I don't like that. Like that says something about me that I didn't recognize about me. That shows me something about my attitude or my actions. Like that, ooh, I just don't like, I didn't think I was that selfish. I didn't think I was that petty. I didn't realize I was unforgiving. I didn't realize that I was a bully. 
I didn't see that I was like a bit of an ogre. Like I didn't see any of that about me. And then I opened up the Word of God and it told me the truth about me. And I took an opportunity to repent. And then I realized, oh wait, that's just what my wife said, right? You may have said, that's just what my husband said. My kids have been telling me that. My parents told me that for years. Everybody I work with is saying that. I guess they were all right, but I couldn't hear it until God used that sharp sword of the Word of God to cut through into my very soul and I knew that it was true and I had an opportunity to repent that sanctification and that's what the Word of God does and that's what you will miss if you don't read it, if you don't listen listen to it, if you don't immerse yourself in it. Psalm 119 asks this question, how can a young man keep his way pure? And then it answers, by keeping it according to your Word. David goes on to write, the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Like the Scripture is reliable. Like it contains the rules to live by. In fact, it's the only true measure of reality. So what do you miss if you don't read your Bible this year? Well, you miss reality. Like God's Word is true truth versus my truth. You have a lot of people searching for their truths, but their truths are not true at all because they contradict each other. God's truth is true truth. Truth in a whole other category with no mixture of error. And it says it's altogether righteous, amplifying the earlier phrase. Like the Bible provides for us a standard of righteousness that matches the, matches the character of God Himself. A righteous God who speaks righteous words. Therefore, it is more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. So my question, church, is do you feel that way about the Bible? Do you love the Bible and do you treasure it? Do you desire the Word of God more than any other word? Like there are a few things, there were a few things in David's day that were more valuable than gold, right? There wasn't cryptocurrency back then. Gold was it. And there were a few things in David's world that were sweeter than honey. And so what he's saying is all the things man could possibly desire in this world pale in comparison to the awesome sweetness and worth of the Word of God. So what do you miss, church, if you don't read your Bible? Everything. You miss everything. God's Word is both the greatest treasure and the greatest delight. And so let me just ask you, if someone were to offer you $10 billion dollars, like today, and they only had one rule to take that money. For the rest of your life, you cannot read the Bible, listen to the Bible, or be around anybody who's teaching from the Bible. Would you take that money? Well, yeah, I'd take it, but then I would you know, hire a lawyer and sue him and try to get out of it and keep the bulk of it. No, that doesn't work, okay? Like $10 billion dollars but never read the Bible again. Never hear the Word of God again. Like, would you take that? 
I mean, sadly, the reality is that we settle for far less than that, right? Like all it takes is a, a re, rerun of a show that we don't even really keep up with. And we find ourselves spending an hour or two or three binging that and not opening the love letter from God. Or like a nap in the afternoon. Or surfing the internet for absolutely nothing. Like, do you ever find yourself on your computer surfing the internet and you forgot what you were looking for? And now you're just following threads and you're like, oh my goodness, I've lost my afternoon. Or checking the social media status of somebody you don't even like. Like we spend our time doing that kind of junk instead of opening up the Word of God and hearing from our Heavenly Father. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. Like what do we miss when we don't read the Bible? Blessing. Like God's Word provides warnings and rewards. So if you've ever had that thought once again, like, what if someone had just warned me of this thing? Like, why didn't anybody say something? Like, God is speaking about that very thing, but you're not listening because you don't have ears to hear and you're not giving your time to it because you have every streaming service in the world and it's filling up all of your time with just emptiness. Or if you've ever had the thought, like, what if someone had just told me how good this could be? If I only knew this when I was 18 or 25 or 35 or 45, and yet the truth was always there, but you didn't have ears to hear or the time to give yourself to God's Word. And so guys, here's my challenge this year. Immerse yourself in the Word of God. Dwell in God's Word this year. That is my encouragement to you. If you only read one book this year, make it the Bible. Like if that's all you do, you will be a changed person. Like if you've been a believer for more than a couple years and you haven't read the Bible through cover to cover, repent and make this the year that you read the Bible. And so one of the things we're going to provide for you to help you do that is this dwell app and so if you want to even now you can get out your phones and shine it on this little code and it will bring up a website and you'll be able to sign up and you'll get the dwell app for free my wife started using this a few months ago it's audio bible and you can listen to the bible cover to cover or certain sections or different devotionals and she was getting great benefit of it uh, from it because it has like you can pair it with music and you can choose the different readers or the different translations and she really loved it and she was telling me about it and I was hearing it at night and so I went ahead and signed on and I got a subscription for me as well and I started using it and I really loved it and then Amy and I thought you know what we ought to get this for our staff as a Christmas present and then we thought no nah, we won't do that because it's so good you know what we could do like we could get it for our whole church and so we thought, guys, in coming out of a year where y'all have been such a huge blessing to us in your faithfulness, especially in the Until Everyone Knows campaign where you committed so much to build a new home for ministry, Amy and I thought like we would love to give this to you from us as a gift. And so I want all of you to download this on your phone 
and start listening to the Word of God. You can follow along with the printed Word also, but we want you to all get this app, sign on and listen. Fill your mind. Immerse yourself in the Word of God. In fact, at 9 a.m. you got an email. And so it's, a, it's in your email little box and you can uh, go through that way if you don't want to go through this way and you can get the app as well. And it's pretty self-explanatory under the me section near the bottom right. Uh, you can see the Hutto Bible Church plan because we have some of our own reading plans. Like we have the renewed mind plan where we re- read the book of Proverbs in the month of January, followed by Genesis for about uh, a month and a half, followed by Psalms for about two months, followed by an Old Testament shred, and then the New Testament in the fall. It's a great plan and you can follow along on your Dwell app. Uh, just subscribe to that plan. There's other plans also. Chronological read-through, beginning-to-end read-through, whatever of reading through the Bible. And then, of course, there's also this. Uh, you can grab these plans, by the way, in the back corner out there. Uh, this is the shred that I talked about. 30 days reading the Bible cover to cover or listening to the Bible cover to cover. encourage you to do this. We could include this on the app because you can't make a plan with over 500 verses, but you can get the 90-day plan and do three readings a day. And so you can always do the math, right? Three times whatever. So if it's the you know, 10th day you've read, what? Anybody? 30 readings. So that's right. You're good. And so, uh, so there's 90 readings. You can do that in uh, 30 days as well. But I so encourage you to get this app. And uh, I'm going to pray for us and we're going to prepare our hearts for uh, communion. So let's pray together. Father, let the words of my heart, I'm sorry, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Father, I thank you that uh, though you have shown your character in creation, you have written your name in a book. Lord, creation tells us that we have a creator, but the word of God tells me his name and that He is my rock and my Redeemer. And so we come to this table of communion to remember a God who not only uh, spoke everything into creation, but has spoken by His Spirit to the prophets and to the apostles and written a book for us to carry and to immerse ourselves with. Lord, we thank You for the rock and Redeemer who is Christ and who this table represents. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's stand together as the band plays. I invite you to come get your elements of communion. Carry them back to your seat. And then I'll come up and we'll take them together as a church. I am thankful for the Word of God because it tells me that the the One who spoke everything into existence has a name. And we learn in the New Testament that that name is actually Jesus. All things were made by Him and nothing that exists was made without Him. In Him was life and light, and it was the light of man.
Like He came into the world and took on flesh and died in our place. And on that night He was betrayed, He took bread and broke it and said, this is My body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. And then He took the cup that He called the cup of the New Covenant, which I'm sure was a shocker for those Jewish disciples who understood what a covenant was and the promise of a new one from Ezekiel and Jeremiah. And He said, this cup of the New Covenant is My blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of Me. Let's join with creation and worship together. Amen. I love that song and it really highlights uh, Psalm 19 and why the Word of God is so (laughs) necessary. Because you could write the first half of that song just sitting on a hill and observing nature and seeing what God had made. But the turning point where you start singing about the cross and about a God who erases my failures because of His blood, you can only get that from the Bible. You see, the Gospel is not intuitive. You would never in a million years come up with a plan where the Maker of all things would die for those who hate Him and reject Him. Like that just doesn't work. But that's the message of the Gospel and of a Savior who came to seek and to save that which was lost. And that's the message of hope for each of us. Guys, I so encourage you to get this app. Start listening to and start reading the Bible. Immerse yourself. Saturate yourself with the Word of God this year. As we close, I want to invite two of our elders, Rob and Jonathan, up. Both Rob Gibson and Jonathan Spradley have served this body faithfully for years, uh, both on and off the board. Both these guys have served as elder chairman at different times. And this is their time to rotate for a brief time, Rob. (laughs) Brief. Remember that. Uh, Off the the governing council of our uh, elder team. And so... Uh, We want to pray for them. We're thankful for the ministries that they have led. Uh, Thank you. And most importantly, for the godly character that they have showed us. Uh, They love their families. They love their, their wives. They love Jesus. And we get to see that. And so we're praying that God would bless them and uh, restore in them a, a greater passion for him in this next year. Uh, We've got them some books, uh, Systematic Theology by Wayne Grudem and Christian Ethics, both by Grudem, to give to them. They're small books that they can <laughs> read along with the entire Bible that I know y'all are already starting. And so uh, we want to pray for these guys. Uh, Rob is serving full-time in ministry right now. Uh, him and Helen go out in their RV and they serve ministries around the country. And so we're so thankful that he's going out as a missionary and he's home when he can be. And of course, Jonathan leads our evangelism ministry. So the cool stuff happening door to door as we greet people today, they went out and just said, hey, happy new year. How can we pray for you this year? 
And people just opened up. Like they, they want people to pray for them. And we ha- use that as a, as a bridge to share the Gospel with them. So we're thankful for you guys. Let me pray and then we'll be dismissed. Let's pray. God, thank You so much for Rob. Uh, just the, the steadiness and the character of this man. Uh, God, I'm so impressed by him. Uh, him and Helen just filled with the Spirit and living for You and wanting to serve You. Bless my brother Rob. Bless Helen. Bless them together. God, as they uh, take this next step, uh, not away from ministry, but into further ministry. Uh, thank You for blessing this body with him. And thank You so much uh, for Jonathan, my brother. What an encouragement he is uh, to meet with every week. I thank You for... Him, his family, his wife, everyone as they've served you, knocking on doors together, meeting neighbors together, setting an example of what it means to seek and save that which is lost. God, I pray You'd bless him in this next year that it would be a time where he is restored in his energy by You. Lord, I pray You'd bless everything he places his hand on. Uh, Lord, we thank You for the example of these men who love You and love Your bride. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. God bless you, church.